It's a joy to be with you this morning, my family at Southern Seminary and Boys College. I'm grateful for Dr. Pierre's leadership and encouragement. And I'm grateful also for the honor and delight that the leadership at Southern Seminary gave me to speak the word today uh, among my family, Dr. Aiken and Dr. Muller. Um, our passage today is Acts 1. And since um, it is really one of my favorite passages, I don't want to read it my own. I want all of us to read it in a corporate reading of the Word of God. So we will stand together and read Acts 1, verses 1 through 8. And we will have it here on the screen. And as we read the passage, something I learned growing up in Egypt is that I always, when I hear the passage read before the preaching, I always pray that may the Lord be glorified in how he brings his word to find a good seed in my heart. So as we read, let's do that. Verses 1 through 8 from Acts 1. We will read together. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt all that Jesus began to do until the day when he spoke after after his suffering by me during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he offered them not to depart but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they had Lord, He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But it has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and of the earth. Listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Abba, Father, I pray that you would be glorified among us, among us this morning and guide our conversation through the Holy Spirit for the fame of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Please. So I don't know about you, but I remember the day when Jesus saved me. It was somewhere in Alexandria, northern Egypt, and I was sitting in this wonderful area on the beach, stairs, and someone came and spoke to me the gospel. Someone 
witnessed to me. Most important words anyone can give are the words that are said before this person leaves earth. And here in Acts 1, we have the final words Jesus spoke to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So this power is for you to be my witnesses. And you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. The design of God is for his people to be his witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. So the Holy Spirit comes upon you, O disciples of Jesus, here as the text says, but this power is not for your fame. It's not for you to be a great intellectual in the community. It is not for you to be rich. Disciples, this power is for you to be my witnesses. And that's the first point. The second point, I want you to be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Jesus spoke with his disciples in this text for 40 days after the resurrection and he is equipping them with the kingdom of God matters. And then he's leaving them. So he tells them, don't worry, you are not going to be alone. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be bold. Hey, Peter, you denied me, but don't worry. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you are going to be bold. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. So these cowards and these weak people transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus told the disciples. Hey, you know what? This is only for the disciple, right? Yeah. Wrong! <laughs> because in chapter 2, Peter speaks to everyone gathered after the Holy Spirit came. And he tells them, for this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone 
whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So this is not only for them. So you Southern Baptists, you receive power when the Holy Spirit takes hold of you. And you will be his witnesses, Jesus' witnesses, locally and globally. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will gain power. Hey, something here. I think we're not supposed really to talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because it's kind of, you know, charismatic a little bit. Uh, uh, Pentecostal. Uh, and I'm Baptist. Wrong! What did Jesus call the Holy Spirit when he was talking with his disciples in John 14 through 16? He told the disciples, listen, you don't need to be worried. I am departing from you, but the Holy Spirit will come. What did he call the Holy Spirit? Parakletos. Counselor, the Holy Spirit will be with you. The word para in Greek, oh, you need to take Dr. Plummer courses, okay? <laughs> para is next to you, alongside you, just as Jesus was with the disciples, the Holy Spirit is with us. And we are gaining power to witness. That's the point. So be bold in seeking the power of the Holy Spirit before you go in your daily witnessing for Christ. When, the, the, when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, it's, he, he used the word parakletos, the comforting Comforter, counselor. I always love when in our church we end the service on Sunday with this unique verse. It's the last verse in 2 Corinthians 13. Last verse in the whole epistle. What does it say again? It says, the love of the Father, actually it begins with the grace of Jesus Christ, but take it, the Holy Trinity. So, the love of the Father. Why is love connected to the Father? He loved us from the beginning of times, and even from before that. So, love is associated with the Father, and then grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is linked with Jesus. Why? Because as Dr. Pierre read in Hebrews, he is tempted in every way like us. He can offer grace without a sin. 
So we talk about the love of the Father. I want to experience this love, God. And then we talk about the grace of Jesus Christ, sweet. I know you have experienced everything like I do, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then the third, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the companionship of the Holy Spirit. And we do not need to miss that. It is so easy for Christians today to feel secured in connecting with the Father and connecting with the Son. And we are because some people out there do crazy things about the Holy Spirit. We want to stay away, but the Holy Spirit is our companion. It's not only for some Christians. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of power who gives us the ability to witness. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness who sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of hope who gives us hope. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. Without the Holy Spirit, what are we doing? When you wake up early morning and you are in your room, before anyone talks to you or before you check your emails, the Holy Spirit is there. And every time we connect with the Spirit of the Sovereign God, we are in a different so are we supposed to ask the Holy Spirit to come again upon us? No. <laughs> yes, no, because he is already here. So what are we supposed to do with the Holy Spirit? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Be filled with the Holy Spirit? So, come more. That's the way I am being filled. More. Wrong. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is for the Holy Spirit to take more in you. To control your emotions more, to control your reactions more, to sanctify your heart more, to be clearly in you in how you repent about your sins. Through this Holy Spirit, we are filled with power so that we glorify Jesus. The text itself is centered on these two realities that Jesus told the disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and be my witnesses. Where? Everywhere. Throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit filled many people in Acts 2, in Acts 4, in Acts 
13, you see Peter, Paul, and all the believers are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way I see this now is that many people are not conscientious about this. Because we see some Christians doing wrong things, attributing them to the Holy Spirit, we are taking the other extreme. But the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus Christ, is our paracletos, comforter, counselor. And we need to live that. When Jesus was in, the, um, in one of the feasts, the booths, in John 7, what did Jesus still read, see this? On the last day of that feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Are you talking about water? Uh-uh. Whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, listen again, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers. Christians, Southern Seminary, Boys College, Jesus speaks of rivers, of living water, the world is dead. And we have the living water. When the Jenkins Center takes groups for evangelism, I want you to remember, you have the living water of God. And the world is dead. Continue. Here is the point. Now, this he said about the Spirit. Whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the disciples, in the book of Acts, but for you Christians in our day, you need to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God will give you power to proclaim Christ. You know what Jesus wants? Jesus wants us to be his witnesses. You go out, you speak with people in the supermarket and whatever, you need to reflect his image. And you cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So you have to submit until the Holy Spirit of God stir my heart. I don't want to rely on my ability. It fails me all the time. I love the church fathers. I really do. And there, was, there is one I want to tell you briefly about. His name is Gregory. And he is one of the Cappadocians. You need to take Dr. Allison's class, please. <laughs> Just so you know, okay. 
I mean, we have great faculty here. Like, get the Holy Spirit. Okay, what did Gregory... So, I mean, get the Holy Spirit class with Dr. Allison. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> what did Gregory say? He was, he received the honor of being a bishop of a city. And Gregory, actually, they called him the theologian. See the joy? The theologian. And Gregory was one of those who appointed to be, like at that time, he was the bishop. And once he became a bishop, he prayed. And we have a record of his prayer. Before I tell you about his prayer, Gregory was known as the theologian. Why? Because he used to pray fervently and get in companionship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune God. So powerful. Amazing. And we don't need to be shameful of that wonderful doctrine. So Gregory was always praying, Father, you loved me. Jesus You have given me grace. And the Holy Spirit, you... And continue the prayer. We have a record of his prayer when he began being a, a bishop of that city. What did he say? Listen. I translated it from Arabic. So, but you find it in English too. But I like Arabic. So. I opened my mouth and drew in the Spirit. And I gave him, the Spirit, my entirety. All my words, my deeds, and even my silence. He speaks to the Holy Spirit. I did one thing. I let the Spirit have me completely. To lead me and move my hand, mind, and voice. The Holy Spirit leads my hand, mind, and voice. To move them wherever he wants. Wherever he wishes. Wherever it is right. See the connection with the Holy Spirit here? I am a divine instrument. A tuned instrument. It's like the Holy Spirit is tuning me. Played by the Spirit. The master musician. I love it. Yesterday, the Spirit worked in me to be in silence. So I refrained from talking and focused on meditation. But today... He worked in me to talk. So you will hear now my words. I will open and close the door of myself as the Spirit wants. What is that? 
What is that? It's a very close friendship with Paracletus. This is what makes us powerful witnesses for Jesus. So the first point in the text that I found is that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, but this power is not for you. It's for glorifying Jesus, witnessing for Jesus. But what is the second? The second point is that the Holy Spirit wants the world for Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to witness. But your witnessing is not only confined to your local city. It goes beyond that. He wants us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's what Jesus said in the verse here. There's a problem. What's the problem? Uh, Jesus, sorry, <laughs> Jerusalem, are you sure? Yeah. They killed you. They crucified you 40 days ago. Go. 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 In Jerusalem, yeah. Also Judea and Samaria. Samaria, are you sure? Yes. These are our enemies, Jesus. I want you there. I want you to be my witnesses where the people are not loving me. And then, what is the limit here? No limit. Go. The nations belong to God, my friends. And Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He knew that. You will not carry weapons. Some others did. You will only be my witnesses. And you will reflect my image. And you will tell people that there is only one Savior. And one way to heaven. I see some videos of churches around the world getting the good news for the first time. Some of the fastest growing churches in the world in our day are in a very difficult context. Like one of the fastest growing churches in the first decade of the uh, 21st century is Algeria. Uh, one time I wanted to go to Algeria. 
And they told me, what do you want at the embassy? I told them, <laughs> just when I go, I love seeing countries. <laughs> we have nothing to see. Um, how about tourism? <laughs> no. <laughs> and actually, I was rejected. Uh, hey, I am an engineer, I want to go and... We know that you, you probably are going to be evangelist, evangelizing. <laughs> My visa was rejected. But the Holy Spirit doesn't need a visa. And there are Christians there who are carrying the word of Jesus every single day. And during the first decade of this century, there was eight believers a day. It was the fastest growing church known in that time. It's now eclipsed by Iran. What? What's happening? The Holy Spirit is at work, and we are part of that. All of you, all of us, the power of the Holy Spirit is not for the well-educated, the famous, the best intellectual, eloquent guy. No, no. It's for the little guy who doesn't know a lot. Because you can have all the degrees you can get, but you cannot save a person because it's not your job to save. It's his. It's his. We need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and get in connection with God, the triune God, the beauty of the triune God. The Holy Spirit wants the world for Christ. What is the problem? The problem is simply cosmos. What? Greek. You need to take Greek. <laughs> what is cosmos? The world. The world wants to cripple your witness. Yes. The world wants to cripple your witness. Why? If you read the New Testament, you will be faced with a unique aspect. Cosmos is the word for the world in the New Testament. But here is, here is something. So you will find a really various ways the world is conveyed in the New Testament. So... When you read, the word was made by him, John 1. What is that? That's the earth. That's the world, the earth. But then you will also read that Jesus loved the world and the Father loved the world. That's the people. These two are really great, these two meanings for cosmos. But then you read in the New Testament... Don't love the world. The lust of the world. And when Jesus speaks about 
the different kinds of soils. Mark 4. He speaks about thorns that smother the work of the word in you. What is happening here? There's an aspect about the world in the New Testament that shows this word as the system that opposes the goals of God on earth. That's why in 1 John, the word of God says, don't love the world. The problem in our day is that the world does not want you to be committed to Christ. You have an old message. It doesn't work today, buddy. Uh, the gospel, did you actually know what you're talking about? And this hostility to the gospel. So when Jesus speaks to his disciples, he's telling them, you will be my witnesses. And then you read in the various other parts in the, in the New Testament, there is a challenge, a pushback from the world. I think there is a huge strategy in our day that the world employs. What is that? Hey, don't be afraid that we are going to reject your gospel. But don't be super committed about it. So the world is trying to make us, hey, okay, I want to hear a little bit. But don't be so passionate about it. Don't be so focused on that message. Don't be so determined, adamant about the uniqueness of Jesus and as he is the only way. Don't do that. To cripple your witness. You cannot play on the fence, my friend. You know why the Lord is working at Southern Seminary in a great way, in my humble estimation? Because we are clear about what we believe. We are here. That's what we do. That's what we believe. If you want to join what's happening here, come. You're welcome. Other educational systems sought to play on the fence. They died. The Holy Spirit wants the world to Christ. Speaking of the opposition, I want to tell you a story Again, church fathers, I love it. So, in the 4th century, there was a 20-something years old man. Happened to be Egyptian too. <laughs> What's his name? Athanasius. And he was growing up in Egypt, and he... Realize that there is a huge heresy happening at that time. Following a bishop 
60 plus years old, named Arius. So Athanasius, as a 20 something years old, had to stand up against that bishop. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Even if you are young, you can still be theologically sound. <laughs> what happened? The entire community around them and many parts in the world began to be led astray after Arius. And they told Athanasius, hey man, calm down, come sit here. The world is completely gone after Arius. So what Athanasius said, if the world is against Christ, I am against the world. <laughs> they called him Athanasius Contramandum. You need Dr. Tyler Flat, Latin. <laughs> What's the point here, guys? The world does not want you to be bold. The world wants you intimidated, boys, college people, Southern Seminary. They want to cripple our witness. But through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, and through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we will carry the good news until Jesus comes back. How to start? Simply sharing Jesus. Reflecting Jesus. Speaking about Jesus. I always tell through my books that whenever you meet a non-Christian, you need very much to declare your identity in Christ as early as possible. And that's the beginning of anything. You love people, you talk with them about their life, about their challenges, and about their families, but you need to declare from the beginning the joy of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Two points. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit, but this power is for witnesses, for witnessing for Christ. Two, the Holy Spirit wants the world for Christ. The world. That includes Louisville. Anywhere you go, you need to reflect the image of Christ. I know that not every single person is called to be a missionary overseas. Yes. But... No Christian is excluded from being a witness for Christ. Staff, faculty, 
students at Southern Seminary and Boys College. You can transform parts of this city by the glory of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit and for Jesus' fame. It's not by your power. It's not your effort. Preach the word and reach the world for the fame of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bow with me and pray. Abba, Father, Abba, what a sweet word, Abba. Abba, your daddy, shine through us and fill this land, this campus, with your glory, with the fear of the Lord. O oh, Spirit of God, Spirit of Sovereign God, set our hearts on fire for the fame of Jesus. Abba, glorify Jesus through the Holy Spirit's work among us. Send forth your word. Let us humble ourselves under your word. Let there be light in this city and beyond. Jesus, we love you, our Lord and Savior. The Son of God. I love this word, Jesus. Use us to make you known. And flood the nations around us with your grace and mercy. We pray in confidence. In Jesus' name. Amen.